You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Clemson Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Happy Thursday. I am your host, Ellis Tolbert. Today, we're going to be digging into the weekly mailbag, answer some of your Clemson sports questions. Can't wait to get to that. We're also going to briefly update you about the Clemson men's basketball team at the end of the show, so make sure that you stick around for that. If you will, follow me on Twitter. Username is at Ellis Torbert, E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T for more conversation. I would love to have you. And subscribe to the Locked On Clemson podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast for free. Please rate and review the show if you enjoy what you hear. Without further ado, though, let's get into this mailbag. I can't wait to answer these questions. Got some really great ones as well. Let's go. All right, let's go ahead and get into this. I want to start this episode out by saying it's egregious, in my opinion, that Clemson only got one award in postseason this season. Darian Rencher got the Disney Spirit Award for for the player that's most inspiring. Outside of that, Clemson got nothing else. Barely any consideration for any other ones. Uh, No Davey O'Brien, no Doak, uh, nothing else. So it's kind of disheartening to think about. And then also understanding you went home with no hardware at the end of the season with, uh, you know, maybe the playoffs. You didn't get the Sugar Bowl trophy, but you're 0-3 and trying to attempt that anyway, so it doesn't matter. And then also considering the fact that Clemson's 2018 football team is nowhere near uh, being considered as one of the best teams of all time, even though they were the first team to be 15-0 in modern college football history. And they also beat teams by a wider margin than both the 2019 LSU and the 2020 Alabama. They're just not getting any credit. So I want to go ahead and put that out there. That's egregious. But we've got some questions to answer for you today. First one comes from Felicia at Felicia Sarter over on Twitter. She's asking, after our performance against OSU, are you concerned about our defense going forward? Have they shown the blueprint for how to go against us? I'm going to answer that question. I've already kind of done that. But Ohio State is not the first team to do that at all. Uh, Virginia Tech's the team who did it this season. You know, just a couple of games before Ohio State. Again, I said Ohio State took the film from Virginia Tech. They did pretty much the same thing. The only difference is that Virginia Tech has nowhere near the talent team-wide as Ohio State does offensively. So there's that. But Syracuse is kind of the one that started getting Brent Venables on his heels. He's the team out there that was starting to get Clemson, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. That started with Eric Dungy. Uh, They were just running all over the place, playing backyard football. They were huddling and then getting right to the line of scrimmage and calling the play and snapping the ball. They weren't doing any of this, getting up to the line of scrimmage, seeing what you were doing, communicating to the sidelines. No, it was all gas, no breaks. So it's been done to Clemson before. Do I think it's going to hurt Clemson in the future? No, because again, like I mentioned in yesterday's episode, I think that offense is going to be your best defense, at least for the next few years. We've seen it out of the last three national champions. 2020 Alabama just had a ridiculous offense. 2019 LSU had a ridiculous offense. Clemson 2018 had a ridiculous offense. So I think it's one of those things where Clemson will be fine so long as their offense gets better. I think that's going to be the reality for Clemson. I also think that Brent Venables has to come up with a game plan for getting plays in and having guys set in a base defense instead of trying to get the plays called in before 
all this stuff happens. You just don't have enough time. And when teams figure it out, the better the team that you play, the more you're going to get gashed. I think that's a really good question, but ultimately, I don't think it's going to truly uh, really impact Clemson's defense. Great question, Felicia. Next question comes from Clemson Brad, Brad Woods over at Twitter. He's actually asking a couple of questions, so we'll answer a few here. and We'll do it in the next segment as well. He's asking, who should be the starting center for Clemson? Of course, we don't know what's going to happen with Cade Stewart. He could go ahead and graduate. He could try and declare for the NFL, or he can come back. I tend to think that he's going to come back for the Tigers. I think he's probably going to get that starting spot. I haven't really seen anyone else come in and take that from him. You know, you have a guy like Hunter Rayburn who can play that. You have some other guys that can move around. I do like what I've seen out of Hunter Rayburn, but I just don't know that you're going to beat out Kate Stewart. If anything, what happens is Kate Stewart will move back to guard. Rayburn will get that starting center spot, but Kate Stewart is still going to be a starter for Clemson. So I don't see that one really changing anywhere. Uh, but I'm not necessarily sold on Kate Stewart. Remember, this is the third year in a row where Clemson is going to be trying out a center that was at a different position the year before. Remember, we go back to a guy like uh, Sean Pollard, who was a right guard. And before that, he was a tackle and he became the starting center for Clemson. You also had some guys like Gage Savinka, who I thought was going to be a guard uh, and then go to center, actually ended up staying at guard, even though we thought he was going to be the starting center last season. And then before that, you had a guy like Justin Falsinelli, who spent some time in other positions as well. So I, I do think it's going to be a big deal for Clemson to figure out who's going to be that starter because your interior offensive line has been the weakness this past 2020 season and in other seasons too. So let's get this better. He's asking another question. Does DJ Uyunglele break Deshaun Watson's 4,593-yard single-season record? And does he break his 41 passing touchdown record in a season? I think so. I think he has a possibility to do it. But what I'm seeing out of Clemson, the way they play call with DJ, I know he was hurt in the games that he did play, but it seems like they favor to throw the ball a little bit more with him than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence didn't throw the ball as much as they did with Deshaun Watson, but I digress. Deshaun Watson did not have Travis Etienne at his side. Uh, no offense to Wayne Gallman, but there are two different kinds of players. I think with guy like DJ, you're going to potentially have Justin Ross. I'm hinting at something that he also asked later. A couple other people have been asking me about, but I'm going to save that question for last. You're going to have, you know, Justin Ross. You're going to have Bowen Dakari Collins. You're going to have Brandon Spector, EJ Williams. Uh, you're going to have all these receivers, and your running back core is going to be kind of up in the air. You don't know exactly who's going to be the alpha dog out of that. We all expect it to be a guy like Lynn J. Dixon, uh, but he has to prove it yet again. I, I think that DJ has a chance to break this. I, I think he has a fantastic arm. I think he's very accurate. And if Clemson throws the ball, you know, 30, 40 times with this guy and they're getting big plays here and there, I think he absolutely has a chance to break that one. That's a really good question. Uh, and I tend to agree. If you, if you were all out there listening, I, I'd be interested to hear what you think on Twitter. Get at me with this one. Uh, does DJ break Deshaun Watson's? single season passing yards record and his 41 passing touchdowns record. I, I think he could definitely do that. I think Trevor Lawrence could have done that in his freshman year, but he didn't have as many games starting playing the full time. You remember he was splitting a lot of time with Kelly Bryant. I think if he starts that season, he absolutely can get 38 to 40 touchdown passes. And he almost did that again. So good question. Last question for this segment. We have one coming from DB, my good guy over on Twitter at center one Oh five five. He's asking, Weird question, but is the Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne era disappointing? 
<laughs> uh, this one's a hard one to take in. I think it's disappointing if you're a Clemson fan because you expected, hey, we have the greatest quarterback in college football history in our laps. He's here in Death Valley playing for us every Saturday, sometimes Thursday, winning championships for us. I mean, he came in and won a national championship for us. And then you also had Travis Etienne, the statistical leader in the ACC in rushing. You also have the best running back in Clemson history in Travis Etienne. You expect this duo to come in and win championships every year. And that's something that I caution Clemson fans for a while now. You got to remember that just because you won a national championship once or twice doesn't mean you're going to win it every single year. Alabama doesn't even win it every single year. But this one's a little different, and that's why it stings. You have two players. I mentioned this earlier at the beginning of the show. Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne did not go home with any serious hardware, so it's kind of painful to look at. But on the hindsight, it's hard to win a national championship. It's not easy to do. So do I think it's disappointing on one front from a fan standpoint? Like, hey, you know, we should be winning championships every year, and we had the best running back and best quarterback really in the long, long, long time. Yeah, that hurts. And it's kind of disappointing. But if you're looking at this objectively, take the orange-colored glasses off, it's hard to win multiple national championships. They couldn't even do that with Tua at Alabama. I guarantee they wouldn't have done that with Joe Burrow up at LSU if he stayed another year somehow. I, I just don't see that happening. Yes, a little disappointing, but I'm going to say no, not really. That scenario kind of reminds me of Liner and Bush You know, in 2006. They were supposed to win the national championship against Texas. They did not get it done. And sometimes that's just the way it is. But, you know, life moves on and we're going to bring in another fantastic quarterback and we'll see what he's all about coming up in spring. We'll see just in spring what he's all about. Has he made the transition to be, hey, you are the man now. What are you going to do with this team? You've been handed a Lamborghini. It might need a break job. We'll see what's going on, but we'll get this thing going. In just a few seconds, we're going to be answering more questions out of the mailbag. But before I do that, let me tell you more about my friends over at betonline.ag. Are we ready for some football? College football has completely ended now. It's really sad, but we're going to be heading into another season coming up soon. And you want to know who's going to be on top. Clemson's already been named uh, to the way too early number one team. What's the odds on that? Go to betonline.ag to figure it out. The NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture. Uh, uh, coming even crazier again, the Browns beat the Steelers. And they didn't just beat them. They beat the snot out of them. That's crazy. If you would have been on over at betonline.ag, you've got those numbers and you would have known before the game. But there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. I've said the name a million times. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Twenty twenty is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. So if you're the betting type and you're wanting more wins this year, listen to the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're all in here at Locked On Clemson. Thanks for sticking with us. More mailbag questions 
We're going to get right to it. First question comes from Clemson Analytics over on Twitter, asking why has the offensive scheme deteriorated from the original Morris offense with motion and creativity despite promoting from within? Would a new set of eyes not be a better move than continuing down a filing path? Good question. Can't wait to get into this one. So we all know that the Chad Morris offense is the power spread. It's going to come at you with a lot of different terminology. Uh, It's going to come at you a lot with hash. They want to talk about, are you plus or minus on the hash? This is kind of important for the Clemson offense. And it's also important that you use a lot of eye candy to get people moving and shifts to get matchups that you want. They had different personnel back in the day when Chad Morris first started. I know that Tony Elliott is a disciple of Chad Morris by proxy. Uh, (laughs) Officially, it wasn't necessarily him. uh, But then that changed after everything, you know, kind of got settled in in 2014. That's when they really started to think about things being changed for a guy like Tony Elliott to potentially get out there and get the spot. Same with Jeff Scott. Now, this offense with new players with different skill sets doesn't necessarily have to rely on pre-snap scheming to be able to get matchups that you want. They're able to do that because you have a quarterback who can throw from any angle at any spot. You don't have to move the launch point. And you also have uh, running back and Travis Etienne that can do that. I guarantee you this season, they are absolutely going to change it back. You saw this a little bit against Ohio State. You saw more motion. You wanted to get that happening because you did not match up with Ohio State along their front seven. And what they were doing in the back end coverages was not helping They were not able to do that. Now, Tony Elliott has had his own flavor of this offense, as anybody does. Mike Leach learned he did not have the same kind of air raid, uh, and he's now doing his own thing, but people under Mike Leach are doing their own kind of same thing. You know, know, Nick Rolovich came from uh, Mike Leach. He's not running the same kind of air raid. His is more of kind of like a run and gun, uh, so it's kind of different. But at the same time, I don't think that this offense has deteriorated. I think it's just become less consistent over time. And some of that has to do with just beating the brains out of every ACC team that you play. Again, back with Chad Morris first started, Clemson was winning a lot, still winning 10 games, but they were not just beating every ACC team by 40 points every single game. You really don't learn much about that. What we learn and how we know we match up with other teams is what we do in postseason play. As of late, it has not really worked. Now, new eyes, maybe Brendan Streeter would because, yeah, sure, he's been acclimated with this offense, but he doesn't know it as well as Tony Elliott does in his style. Brendan Streeter coming in would have his own flair to it, so maybe that'll work. Also, if you look outside of Clemson, you know, I really don't want to get into the search for new coordinators because it's always scary to do that. Chad Morris was a gym when we found him, but he even came with his hangups. You know, Deshaun Watson, if... Chad Morris was there in 2016. Deshaun Watson's 17 interceptions would have been <laughs> 30 just because he's going to have him chuck it every single time. Or he'd have been hurt with you know running the ball just all the time with the quarterbacks. We saw this with Bo Nix at Auburn. I do not think that this offense has deteriorated. I think it's become less consistent. They have to work on that, and then they will be better. But that's a really good question, Clemson Analytics. Thanks for chiming in. Next question comes from my man Bill Kirsting over on Twitter as well, at Westpac1. What level of confidence do you have in Brandon Streeter as the offensive coordinator if Tony Elliott leaves for the NFL? Huh, these come back to back. Very good compounding questions so we can continue this conversation. I have confidence in Brandon Streeter, but let me say this first. I do not think that Tony Elliott leaves for the NFL. I think he has a specific school or specific set of schools 
in college that he wants to leave for when those open and you know everything is right and you know the opportunities are there for him to go and succeed i think he'll take that i don't know what schools those are but this man taking this much time to even entertain anything I, you know auburn was open i don't know if he was a candidate for texas but georgia tech was open temple was open he's had opportunities to go a lot of places usf but of course we know jeff scott went down there you want to make the right decision. I think he's doing that, but he's not going to stay at Clemson forever. If he moves on, then I think Brandon Streeter is the, you know, odds on favor to win the offensive coordinator job. But I might be speaking a little too soon by saying this. I would not be surprised that Dabo Sweeney makes Brandon Streeter the co-offensive coordinator with Tony Elliott yet again coming up this season. That way he can elevate himself a little more. It's always good to do that. Passing game coordinator is nice and fun and dandy and all, but co-offensive coordinator will go a lot further on your resume than, you know, just coordinator. So I think that Brandon Streeter will do a good job. Now in this game against Ohio State, I think there was a lot of factors that made situations look like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. What do we, why would we have, uh, you know, punting at the, uh, on the plus side of the field and fourth and two. A lot of that probably comes from Dabo Sweeney. Remember, Dabo Sweeney also has a lot of his hands in the play calling. He gets to veto a lot of things. Plus, so does Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had a lot of power with this Clemson offense, specifically the last two years, to be able to change things as he sees them pre-snap. Or if he's in a script and he understands, hey, this team is coming out in something that we've already discussed, he can change that. I don't think that DJ Uyunglele is going to have that power in his second season. Uh, remember, he only has two starts. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see more of reliance on Brandon Streeter and Tony Elliott, along with Dabo, getting him to move along. With that said, Brandon Streeter has to be a little bit more aggressive. There's some things that he talked, like I talked about this in the previous question. He came back to using more eye candy. He understands that sometimes that's going to dictate what happens. The flow of the game is going to be something that he has to learn especially on big-time D1 football. He's been uh, a part of this team for a long time, but he has not called the plays. He's got to get the flow of the game down. If he has to understand everything that's going to happen as far as ins and outs of what we do, where we do it, and what time we do it. Ball management, important. If he can get those things down, I think he will be the next great offensive coordinator at Clemson. Very good question. I got a question from Anthony at Runny Syrup. Over on Twitter, that's a hilarious screen name. Good job, man. He's asking, does Brian Kelly and Dabo go on fishing trips together? <laughs> Probably. Dabo has a lot of friendships that we don't know about. Uh, and, and these guys, you know, we get so enamored in the fandom of everything. It's the same with players that we don't understand that a lot of these players went to high school with each other. They were best friends or they just happened to be playing on rival schools or school somewhere else. Or you have coaches who grew up coaching together or something, you know, they're going against each other. There's tensions high. Dabo Sweeney has been on resort trips with Nick Saban a lot. We all know that Nick Saban, you know, Hey, he, he blew out Clemson once Dabo blew him out once. It's kind of like, Hey, we're good friends. We're going to play each other. I mean, heck Tommy Bowden had to go to dinner right after the game after playing Bobby Bowden in the Bowden bowls. So it's one of those things where these coaches are much better friends than you think they are. It's not that big a deal. Does he go on fishing trips together? Maybe. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm sure they do have some kind of link up somehow. That, that's a really good question. We got one more question coming up, and this came from Brad Woods and my friend over on Twitter, Paul Patrol, at TigerMan12 over on Twitter. 
they both asked, will we get Justin Ross back for 2020? And this is something I've kind of skated away from because it is, it is personal information for this kid. It is very uh, highly confidential. Debo's not saying much on it because it is, again, this kid's personal information. At the same time, I think Dabo is being very tight-lipped about it because we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Remember, Dabo does not have control of playing Justin Ross. This is a congenital neck issue that can have terrible repercussions if he gets out there before he's ready. You know, we're talking between life and death and walking and not being able to walk. So it's important that the kid can actually uh, be cleared by the doctor. The doctor has the ultimate power, the say-so of everything. But I do think Justin Ross comes back for this team next season. I know there's a lot of chirp about, hey, maybe he can declare for the NFL draft. I don't think he does that. Uh, if he does that, he has to submit his paperwork by the 18th, or he just opts out this 2020 season, 2021 season, excuse me. I just don't see that happening. I see the kid coming back and really handling business for Clemson, getting more tape on film for the NFL, and then getting himself in a position to really go out there and make a name for himself, be that next receiver in line from wide receiver you i do think that we get him back we might not know anything until after spring maybe even in summer it's going to take a little while for the doctor to really come out there and say this and then clemson wants to evaluate him slowly he's been out there practicing with the team even as early as october last year but he has not been in contact drills you have to be careful with things like this again this is not just a acl or uh, you know, AC joint separation or even like a broken leg. This is a, something that can literally change this kid's life. So it's one of those deals where we're just praying for him to get back healthy and get cleared for the doctor. But I have my fingers crossed and I'm optimistic in this one. I do think Clemson gets him back. Coming up in the final segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about Clemson men's basketball. Uh, this team has surprised me. I am so impressed with this team. Uh, of course, we had some issues coming up with COVID, so we'll talk a little bit about that coming up in the next segment. Before I do that, though, let me tell you about my friends over at rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for more important things like the mortgage, food, or clothes for your children. We know how important that is. It, it, we're in a pandemic. Everybody's a little tight for money, but why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store? or a new car dealership. Why would you do that, right? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Uh, they're just going to get over on you. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or any kind of login for your account. You just go on and buy what you need, right? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts for customers online for 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, uh, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I just talked about that, right? You're going to get the same price no matter what you are. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? It's just dumb, right? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
Final segment of the Locked On Clemson podcast is here. Thanks for sticking with us. Quick shout out to all the people who sent their questions in. Remember, if you want to get your questions in, we'll be doing this every week. The mailbag, we'll try to do this every Wednesday or Thursday. Make sure to tweet your questions about Clemson Athletics to me over on Twitter at Ellis Tolbert, E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T. Would love to answer your questions on the show. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to be talking Clemson men's basketball right now, and this team is really, really good. I mean, they are exceeding all expectations. I think we all knew that they were going to be good, though, because we saw the recruiting efforts at Brad Brownell this time around. Uh, this might be his best team since he's been at Clemson. They are 9-1. It's the hair away. It's the slow start away from being 10-0 and undefeated on this season. You know, they are the highest-ranked ACC team in the AP poll right now at number 12. Uh, that's even with losing to Virginia Tech. Again, that slow start that I talked about. This team is really playing with a vengeance. Uh, they have one of the most impressive resumes right now in college basketball. Three wins. Uh, in the ACC straight over really good teams and five wins over top 50 teams. So that's impressive. This team keeps building on that resume. Of course, we're talking about the 10-point win against Florida State in Little John. That was kind of surprising. I think we all thought that might be a little bit closer of a game. They really dominated that game. And then you had them travel down to Miami, win that game in a thrilling fashion, last-second shot, one-point win against the Hurricanes, and then ended up in the same week beating NC State 74-70 in overtime, a game that they were trailing for a long time, but showed resolve. They showed moxie, came back, and won that game. Uh, this team is really, really good. And again, I keep talking about how this might be one of the better teams of Brad Brownell's era. It's important because that means he's really putting his money where his mouth is. We talked about this over and over and over. There's a lot of portion of the fan base that does not like Brad Brownell because he will have a really good start and a disappointing end. Of course, we are still at the beginning of what is going to be the basketball season. Hopefully we will continue and finish out the season uh, with no COVID issues. But, you know, there's the other fan base that thinks that this guy is really working on things. And I happen to be in the middle. I think there are a lot of times where it was very disappointing. You had some uh, very Veteran Latin teams who just could not get it done. But this one is just a mixture of everything. You've got freshmen being impact players. You've got upperclassmen really changing. You've got transfers playing well. Nick Honor is playing out of his mind. He is playing above his ability, too. And not saying he's not a great player, but this guy is playing better than any of us ever thought he could. He's on the smaller side, too, for a guard, but he's playing like he's 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, this guy is a monster. Clemson's getting really good with creating turnovers, too, and getting points off of those turnovers. They're also really good at post play. That's something that I was surprised too. The bigs are playing really well. Excited about that. And then also perimeter shooting has gotten really hot lately. Uh, they've been draining threes like nobody's business. I want to see them get better on the rest of the court though. I want to see them shooting from the court a little bit better. I think that's going to help this team be even more uh, elite. I think right now the defense, the way they're playing is elite. They're holding teams under 60. Uh, and they're, you know, winning games. This is kind of like the football team, <laughs> you know, defense wins championships. I've already said that uh, that's a little bit different nowadays. It, you know, offenses are getting much better. But right now in basketball, it's still kind of the same. You have really good defense. You can win games. And Clemson has one of the best defenses in the country. So this is why they are 9-1. They had an opportunity to be 10-1, go up to Chapel Hill this past Saturday and play the Tar Heels 
in the Dean Dome. I talked with Candace Cooper, host of the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, about the game. We gave a little bit of a preview. That game was postponed. So it was another game for the Tigers. They had some COVID issues arise. But good news for the Tigers. They were probably going to be in a situation where they're getting over that. They're able to practice, hopefully, today, uh, yesterday a little bit. If they have no more issues, then they will resume playing and they will take on the Virginia Cavaliers in Little John on Saturday for another ACC game. And Virginia is going to be a tough team to play. We already know the prestige that they have. This team has went deep in the tournament before. Clemson is going to have another tough challenge against them. Right now, you already lost to a team for Virginia. Let's see if you could make amends by beating the other Virginia team, the better Virginia team, in my opinion. I think Clemson has all the skills to be able to win this game. I think they could have potentially won the game up in Chapel Hill to make it 2-0. and <laughs> A small record, but hey, we'll take any as they come. But I think they had an opportunity to beat North Carolina. Even Candace Cooper said that, too. She thought that the way North Carolina is playing right now, we know they have four losses on the season. Clemson had a really good opportunity to go up there and play and match up with them and win those matchups. So this team right now is is on a they're on a warpath. And if they keep going down this warpath, and we'll see more noise going out in the future. I'm really excited about young players like PJ Hall. I think Trap is playing well as well. Newman's getting out there, getting some plays in. Jonathan Bears improving. Sims is still that steady leader. He's able to get the team balanced. Sometimes it takes him a little while to start, but after that, he's going nuts on the court. This team defends 94 feet. They're able to get you in all kinds of bad situations. They're creating turnovers uh, and, and really getting points off those turnovers too. I'm really happy about this Clemson basketball team. I, I don't know about Virginia though. Again, this is this seems like one of those games where you, you've had a lot of time off. Remember, they didn't play for a while now. The last time they played was last Tuesday against NC State and Little John. How does the week off affect this team? Are they able to get back? If they start slow against a team like Virginia, it's going to be hard to get back in it. But if they come out hot, they're shooting well, they get to the free throw line and shoot accurately, which they have been doing this season, I really think that they have a chance. If they don't and they come out slow, I don't know about this one. I would love to hear your opinions, though. Come over on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. Who do you think wins this game? Does Virginia win it or does Clemson keep going on this warpath and gets to 10-1? I'd love to see it. This Tigers team could be a top five team if they were undefeated, and that's super exciting. With that said, we've come to the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking with us. Yet another episode of Locked On Clemson in the books. Follow me over on Twitter at E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T for more conversation. We'd love to have you. And subscribe to the Locked On Clemson podcast if you like what you hear. Please rate and review the show if you will. That would help us out more than you know. As always, it's great to be a Clemson Tiger. I'll catch you tomorrow right here on Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.